So welcome to this week's episode of Thrive. I've got Ryan Malone here, CEO of Smartbug Media. Today we're going to be talking about remote team success and what that looks like in our current, our current world and the future of it. So Ryan, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited about the conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you much for having me. So tell me a little bit about um, your agency and your entrance into it, because I know that that's, that looks a little different from how most CEOs started their companies. Yeah, we, I, we took a little bit different path. I, uh, my background, I ran tech, uh, product marketing for a division of Seagate and then did a couple early stage companies um, in executive marketing roles. And what we found was that when we hired agencies, the partners would typically sell the work and then um, we did a lot of marketing strategies. So people that weren't really tuned to do marketing strategy did a lot of the work and we felt like that there was a different way. Uh, so I asked my friends that were also technology marketers if they had the same issue and they did. So I decided to quit. And the the big decision that we made was when I, when I was 17, my father passed away. And so I knew that I didn't want to be the CEO who didn't see his kids because life matters. And at the same time, you know, everybody's been, they've worked for that leader where you come to work and they've, they've never been to battle with their team. They have no camaraderie. They don't have any scars on their back to show. And nobody wants to work for that person. So I didn't want to be the CEO who was never there. And to us, the only option at the time, and this was, gosh, 12 years ago, mm. um, was to be remote. And so we felt like <clears throat> if we could create a company that offered a, a challenging work environment with people you had this deep intellectual trust for, doesn't mean you're going to be best friends, but you should go to work knowing you have smart people that have your back. Um, but at the same time, create room for memories um, because the truth is you and I are not going to remember this phone call when we're older, but you're going to remember what you do this weekend with somebody you care about. Mm. But we would have a winning formula to create great people and, um, and grow our business. And that's what we set out to do. Yeah, great. So talking about remote teams, um, how do you think you know, our experience with this pandemic has shown leaders of service-based organizations how efficient remote work can actually be? Well, it's interesting, right? Um, you know, resiliency does interesting things to people. And when you're put into a situation where you don't have um, the things that make you a creature of habit, it forces you to adapt. And so um, if I'm in an office, the little things like nonverbal communication and the chit chat um, at the office, like in the coffee area and things like that, those are kind of the glue that hold a company together. But they also, for some people, can be big distractions. Like when we interview people, we look for people that, that say things like, oh, man, that period of time where I can just shut my door in the morning or when no one's there, I'm really efficient. And so you start to figure out when you don't have these, um, these comfort things that um, it can actually be much more efficient because you end up focusing on process and handoff. I always say like in a, in a, a relay race, it's not the speed of the runner, it's the efficiency of the handoff. So when you don't have an office and you're forced to literally give somebody everything that they need the first time, you start to get really efficient. Your communication has to be better or else you fumble. And so those things illuminate all of these areas that you can make for a more effective uh, company. Yeah, and illumination is a big key right now, right? Um, a lot of things are coming to light with, uh, you know, there, I think that there's been sort of uh, something that you've said in the past is, you know, there are a lot of CEOs who feel like there's this false sense of trust when mm -hmm. they can see like the tops of their employees' heads over their cubicles, right? Um, you know, it, it, talk a little bit about that for a second, because I, I do, I like the idea of it being a false sense of trust, but I, I think that a lot of people um, 
might have some pushback against that, you know, that might tr trigger something or that might hit them in a certain way, because maybe they really believe that intrinsically that, that there is a trust that's created. If I can see you sitting in your desk and working, that must mean you're working and that must mean that, um, that we're, we're doing good things and that you're productive and my agency is going to be profitable. And like, there's this script that runs. Right. Um, so yeah. So talk a little bit about that. Cause I find that really interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> it's funny. And I can tell you a story that's like illustrates it. So uh, a number of years ago, I'm on this master's group with some other agency owners. And a number of years ago, one of the agency owners was so excited because he was installing the software that would take uh, a screenshot from a webcam every like two minutes or three minutes or something like that. And he was like, it's so great because I can see that everybody's working and this and that. And I, after I pulled myself off the chair, I, I was trying to articulate that you just spent two weeks, three weeks, a month vetting this person. They've spent countless hours demonstrating their trustworthiness. You've had four or five people interview them. You've decided that you're going to invest the capital of your, your company. And if you're a business owner, like a piece of your potential future in this person, but you don't trust them enough to let them sit at their desk and, and do their work. And so I think, you know, there's this, there's this kind of like legacy feeling of distrust where if I see you across the room, I see the back of your head that somehow that means you're productive when you could very well be just be hanging out on Facebook and it doesn't matter. And you get this, this like weird um, kind of false sense of security. And so I try to tell people that if you trust first um, and know that 99% of the time, the person that you've gone through all of this vetting with is going to be just as excited and happy in a remote environment as they are in an office environment. In fact, they might be more productive. We often find that people that come here from an in-house situation say that they have tighter relationships with people and feel more like they're more supported. Mm. Um, that, that just that like that shift in outlook of, hey, I did my homework, let's give them a chance to be great um, is, is usually really empowering for agencies. And you have no choice to do that, but in, in a remote environment, you just have simply no choice but to take that path. And I would encourage people just to take a deep breath and know that you did probably a pretty good job and let them, um, let them have some runway to do great things. Yeah, I, and I wanna kind of stay with this for a second if it's okay, because I, I do think that from my work with agency leaders, um, from being an agency owner in the past, uh, you're an agency owner, there have been many of you know, agency leaders on the show. I feel like the recurring theme over and over again as to why we default to um, really making sure that people are in seats. Yeah. I think it all comes down to trust and distrust, right? And so there was an episode that um, I, I did, um, I don't know, way back called the Trust First Mindset with Jay Tinkler, who's also an agency coach. And I think that this is, this is really important. This is the reason why everyone sort of had this freak out at the beginning of the pandemic. It's like, oh my God, my team is not set up for this. How am I going to trust them? How am I going to know that they're not just you know, lounging around in their pajamas all day. And, and like, where does that come from? And how, how is there some piece of advice that you could give to try to change that mindset for leaders who are still kind of like, oh, I can't wait to get back to the new normal where everybody's in the office full time. And like, that's what I really want because this is, this is uncomfortable. This like remote situation is uncomfortable. Yeah. What do you say to those people? Well, <clears throat> I've done some of my best work in pajamas, so <laughs> the first thing that I would say, but um, 
You know, I think you have to focus on results. I mean, the simple truth in any professional service environment is that you will know because if somebody's not doing their job, whether it's good or at all, because either their colleague will tell you or your customer will tell you. So, and they will tell you faster than you will ever know by micromanaging them. And so I would say, instead of trying to micromanage every little thing that they do and trying to grip onto it, just wait for that. Like trust your team, put some controls in place so that teams are working together and let them go do their thing and try it. If, if, if you're really nervous about it, try it with one team. Just promise yourself you're not gonna micromanage one person let them do their thing, have them set goals, measure them against their goals. And you'll find that you hired good people. And if you just give them some rope, they will do well. It's all about like exposure therapy, right? Everybody's in this shock of doing something different. And so if you can just let yourself deal with the discomfort for one piece of your team, they will prove to you that it's just the same. And in fact, you will probably find out that they're more efficient and effective than they were in the office when they had tons of distractions. So just kind of dip your toe into it a little bit and it won't be that bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's good advice. I I mean, at this point in time, like I think the shock is definitely over or has waned significantly, but there is still like this culture question, right? So with regard to culture, what happens when we don't have that whiteboard to sort of huddle around? Mm -hmm. So in an, in, a, um, in an agency environment and even in a larger team, oftentimes when you get to a certain size, people tend to uh, aggregate around the team that they work with or the department, right? The right. finance people go out with the finance people. You know, the owners of account X go out with the owners of account X if it's a big team. In a remote environment, that stickiness is gone. And what you find is that the stickiness is really common interests. So Mm. we do things like get to know you call. So when you start, you do a 20 minute get to know you call with everybody on the company at the company. And the only rule is you can't talk about work. And it seems really hokey, but the whole purpose of that is to let people find their tribes because once they find their tribes, there's no more barriers. Like it's now like, hey, I have a group of people that are coffee aficionados or basketball lovers or whatever. And now I've got people that I have an instant connection with across departments. And that glue I found is a better replacement for this departmental account oriented glue that you see Mm -hmm. in-house. And I would argue that that one tactic is one of the things that you can do from a culture perspective to get people tighter because when they start at your company, they have uh, instant camaraderie, they have an instant support network, they have a group of people that they feel comfortable asking questions of, um, and it's just a great way to lay a solid uh, foundation. And then from a, you know, from like a collaboration and, and maintaining that perspective, you find that um, you have to kind of force it a little bit. So as a manager, you have to work really hard to, to just ask how people are doing because you might be having a terrible day, but you've got your game face on now. And then when this calls over, your terrible day may continue. But I know that's not you, so I know that's not what's happening. But for a lot of people, that is. And so you can't, if I'm in an office, I can easily walk by and see that somebody's having a bad day, grab them, go get a cup of coffee. And in a remote environment, I can't. And so you have to just be almost awkwardly deliberate and just talk to people every once in a while and say, how are you? How can we make our company better? At SmartBug, we have this thing called Healthy SmartBug, which is like, um, as a parent, you, you want to make sure your kids are happy, healthy, safe, and resilient until they can do it on their own. And so we will call people um, regularly and just say, how can we make SmartBug healthier? And the feedback that you get from that and the culture that you build from that 
um, is really powerful because you know that they're heard um, and you get the context behind it and it really kind of pulls everything together. Yeah. And, and you're also letting them know that their voice matters. And like, isn't yeah. that kind of what we all want? <laughs> yeah. We just want to matter. We just want to be living fulfilled lives and doing good work. And yeah, I, I love that. I think that's a, a great component or a great aspect. Do you think that that, that healthy smart bug is the, the component that sort of um, really acts as like a glue for the, the fact that you are such a successful remote team? Um, I think it contributes a lot, right? So if you look at the phases of um, kind of your time at an agency, there's the onboarding phase that we talked about first. So how do you get somebody to the point where they're, they're comfortable, they have a crew, a tribe that they can run with, and they have a support mechanism as they learn the business? And then the second piece is how do you optimize that over time? And that's where the healthy smart bug piece comes in. Because mm. long after the 90 days or 120 days, when people are getting acclimated, it's like people want to know that they have a voice to your point. They want to know that uh, the company listens. I think people are sensible enough to know that not every idea ends up being done, but they want to know that they, um, they do have a voice in everything. Um, and I think as a leader, you know, as a manager, you have to be uh, far more attuned to the way people are feeling and you don't have a lot of the intangible ways to do that, that you typically do otherwise. And so, that healthy smart bug piece goes a lot way in showing the human side of a manager because like if in, a, in an in-house environment, let's assume that I run into you in the coffee room, we chat for 10 minutes, we've built up some political capital with each other such that at four o'clock when I go to your office and I'm like, Hey, you're two weeks late on this thing. I really need this thing from you. It, you've already, it's a trade off, right? You've built up some capital. They know you're not the boogeyman. In a remote environment, if I just send somebody a Zoom message and I'm like, hey, where's that thing that you owe me from? It just, it gets interpreted wrong. And so things like healthy smart bug and face-to-face -face feedback and this deliberately asking people like how they're doing create, it replaces that political capital so that when you do have to do managerial things, like you, that trade-off is there again. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, as we're starting to, uh, to kind of wind down, you know, the, I think there's a little bit of an elephant in the room that there is still a fair amount of uncertainty, right? I think there's going to continue to be a lot of uncertainty, even as we move toward the end of this year. Right. How do we build a successful team around work-life integration as a means for predictability? Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, the one thing with all the uncertainty that's around and, and well after, you know, all the health stuff that's gone, but just people are going to be in new models and some people are going to think it's great. And some companies are going to decide it's good for them, but not all the employees are going to be comfortable with it. And so all the things, those like um, creature comfort things that you're used to might be gone for a lot of people. But if you can say to somebody, look, in a remote world, you have a flexible work schedule. There's stuff that you really need to do during work hours and there's stuff that you really don't need to do during work hours. And to the extent that you can say to somebody, look, if there's something that's going to create a great memory for you and, and create a good life experience for you and you want to do it at two o'clock on a Tuesday, that's fine because you're a professional and you're going to decide I'm going to do that on Tuesday at two and on Saturday morning, I'm going to have a cup of coffee and I'm going to catch up on some admin stuff. I think to the extent that you can integrate your life and your work, now work-life integration becomes kind of the anchor while all of this uncertainty is swirling around you. 
yeah. you can kind of hold on to that because it's no longer the choice between work and social. It's, it's like this work-life integration enables all of those things more on terms and you can just get that done in a much easier way in a remote environment. Yeah. And, and it's also, isn't it about like the owner or the, the agency leader really um, subscribing to and advocating for that flexibility that you're mm -hmm. talking about? Yeah, we tell, we tell people to pick the two or three things at the beginning of the week when you plan your week. Pick the two or three things that are going to create a great life memory for you. Put those in your calendar first and then work the work stuff around it because you're going to have to get your stuff done. It's just the way it is. Um, there's going to be fires that pop up. It's just agency life. But if you know that no matter what happens during that week, those three things that you can write a journal entry on or have a great memory about, um, it totally changes the mindset of the employee to the point where now the company is enabling them um, to have a great life and you're getting the work done at the same time and everybody wins. And I love the fact that you specifically said, take those things that are going to create that great life memory and put them in your calendar first. I really want to underscore that because that to me, tell, that tells me a lot about who you are as a leader and how much you actually care about your team and your, and your team knows that too. I appreciate that. Yeah. Awesome. Ryan, thank you so much. This is a great conversation and uh, really, really grateful that we had it. This episode has been brought to you by Workamajig, the number one creative agency management software. Show notes at thrive.workamajig.com. Find out how your creative agency can become more productive and more profitable. Schedule your demo at thrive.workamajig.com.